guys and girls and everybody. This is Lissa Mandel from the Bitch Seat Podcast. As some of you may know, we are a part of the Atlantic Transmission Network, which is a network that puts out all kinds of great podcasts. A great way to support our show and our sister shows is to visit theatlantictransmission.com and click on the Amazon link at the top of the homepage. It's all the same great Amazon stuff at the same great price, but we get a small piece for sending you there. So if you want to keep shows like The Bitch Seat going, keep us happy, then, uh, you know, throw in your pennies. You don't even have to pay anything extra. Let's get nostalgic and silly, even bittersweet a little, reclaiming our shame and vulnerability. Don't be guarded or discreet. At some point, we've all been the bitch in the bitch seat. Welcome to the bitch seat, campers. I'm Lisa Mandel. Phil is off um, doing his jobber thing. And uh, today uh, we will have the delightful Rochelle Meese, who is a new friend of mine in L.A., before we get to her, I'm going to start off with, uh, you know, the OG diary here, Satin, which is, of course, the one from fifth and sixth grade with the point shoes on the front. Uh, this is from January 15th, 1995. Dear Satin, the most incredible thing happened on Friday night. Leah called me and explained. Jameson had called her and asked and asked her on a date, a real date. And this is, again, fifth grade. Well, anyway, her mom said she couldn't go unless she took some friends. Guess what? She chose me. It took a lot of convincing, but finally my parents said yes. Leah also invited Kelly to come, and Jameson invited John Calafiore and Chris Garceau. We're going to a movie on the 28th. I absolutely can't wait. Last night was Sarah T's party. It was fun. We made our own pillowcases with a professional... We, we made our own pillowcases with a professional whatever a professional pillowcase maker is, watched Ghost and stayed up till 2.30. Also, Megan, the bravest girl I've ever known, called Paul. See, the day before, she dumped him and was now apologizing. With a little help from Sarah I, Sarah T, Caitlin, and I, and some, uh, and some begging, cursing, threatening, and fake crying, we finally persuaded Paul to say yes to going out with Megan again. After being on the phone for at least a half an hour, we'd finally won the battle and gave a loud cheer for victory. Then Sarah T. called Matt, and they talked for a while. I was totally psyched. Psyched being spelled P-H-S-Y-C-H-E-D. And gave in when Sarah asked if she, could, if she could call Taylor and ask him out for me. Unfortunately, he wasn't home. I was a bit relieved, though, I must admit. Sarah I revealed some info. She absolutely adores Pat Follette. I revealed a little something too. How much I would <laughs> Oh god. How much I would love to be hugged by Tim Varillo. He has these perfect, I'm sorry, these protectively muscular but also soft-looking arms. Megan completely agreed with me. It felt good to get this off my chest. We played truth or dare. The best dares were when Megan had to tuck in her pajama shirt, put three ice cubes down her back and sit down like that for one whole minute. Also, we made an ice cream sundae on Caitlin's face. She looked ridiculous, but didn't mind. She said it tickled. Those were really the main events of the party. It was really fun. Tomorrow, I don't have school, Martin Luther King Day, and I need the extra time. I have to catch up on my Hebrew homework for study class and read for my book report. I have so much to do. Be patient. I'll write again soon. Love, LMM. Um, and I, I chose this entry... Because I wanted it to be, like, the most stereotypical, girly, like, 
you know, prepubescent thing possible because our guest today had a very atypical childhood, and I'm really excited to talk to her. She is a storyteller and comic in the L.A. scene and um, just a delightful human being. And please welcome our guest, Rochelle Meese. <laughs> okay, so we see Rochelle... It's late at night. She's out in the field looking up at the stars. Her hair is falling across her back and across her face, mingling with her tears. She raises her hands up and asks why, why she is so alone. Meanwhile, a rabbit scampers across the field and nestles at her feet. She pulls off one of her pink scrunchies from her wrist and puts it around the rabbit's ears and now the rabbit is her friend forever <laughs> hi rochelle <laughs> hi wow uh yeah i don't know where that came from but there we are um welcome to the bitch seat that was the sexiest fifth grade story i've ever heard <laughs> man you guys were getting it i mean i wasn't but like i like i talk about like you know taylor who's a boy who i had a major crush on yeah. i was a i was i was not a popular kid surprise it sounds surprise. like you had a lot of friends i had well i had friends i had a lot of girlfriends but like by popular at least in my town it meant like what guys had crushes on you and yeah. for me the answer was zero pretty oh. much always but <laughs> i had crushes on all of them so mm -hmm. um but i but i mean i didn't have like a lot of stereotypical sleepovers but that this one was so oh my, on the nose you made right pillowcases with a professional you know <laughs> <laughs> i still have my pillowcase actually what we does used, it like, say on it i mean it says my name with like stencils and stuff oh, cool. it was yeah we we also i was it was a town of a lot of like making puffy paint shirts <laughs> yeah and other crafts because yeah. we, we were indoor kids <laughs> So, um, so did you ever have an experience like that? Or tell me when you were 11 or 12, what your life looked like. Yeah. Well, I think you're alluding to like how religious I grew mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. So I grew up kind of, uh, in a Mennonite type church, like an off brand Mennonite. And, um, it was, we were one of the less conservative churches, but like I wasn't allowed to wear spaghetti straps. You know, I had to wear the shirt totally. under it and I couldn't paint my nails and I couldn't get ears pierced. So can you describe for the listeners what Mennonite refers to? So it's basically just a super strict Christian church. Um, and it's like, you can only marry people in the church and there's just a lot of rules and it's very like boring and, and sober and like there's no pictures up in the church and there's no like... Like, we weren't allowed to, like, dance or anything. Like, it's just, like, wow. the most boring version of life <laughs> you could imagine is, like, what they thought God wanted. So, um, And where where was this? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Arizona, but it's a very, like, Midwest-type mm -hmm. church, and it came from Switzerland. And then so, the Ari so some of them moved to Arizona from the Midwest, so that was why wow. it was a little less conservative because they were, like, the more adventurous people who mm -hmm. started the church out there. But, um, yeah, and it was always something – I still went to public school, so I just kind of kept that part of myself, like, secret and tried to fit in as much as I could. Oh, really? Yeah. So you weren't – so you didn't go to a school with a lot of other Mennonite kids? No, 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 no. no it was very small church. There was only, like um, – 200 people there mm -hmm. so and, and it's phoenix arizona so it's millions of people in phoenix and you went to public school i went to phoenix. public school yeah a lot of my 
friends from church were homeschooled, but we went to public school. Oh, yeah. wow. So, so okay, this is super interesting because it's kind of like you were incognito every day in oh, school. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize it then, but now I realize how hard that was to just like try to fit in. We and I had never even really heard popular music or watched, you know, a TV. So it's like, I'm like, that was hard. But what, was it like, do you have specific memories of like feeling like people were referencing things and you were on the outside of it or, uh, or like, were you? Yeah, I developed this, like, I would just laugh a lot. Yeah. Because I didn't know want people to know I had no idea what they were talking about and I didn't want them to see and I think I developed like social anxiety and my way of dealing with it was just laugh after everything people said and people would just be like it wouldn't be appropriate you know and people were like yeah. you laugh a lot I'm like yeah you're like I'm like you I'm just like you <laughs> I'm just like you yeah were you were you allowed to be friends with any of the kids in public school I mean I was allowed to like my mom didn't really like us having people over there and I was one of four kids, so like the house where, was and already. Where were you? I'm the that? oldest, okay. So the house was already like really loud and bustling, and she didn't want us to have friends over really. And, um, and like I, I had like a a couple friends, mm-hmm. um, but I do remember like, like going to sleepovers and them all being so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like one, my neighbor. The, I will never forget this. She was like. She had these older sisters, and she was, like, the bad girl of the neighborhood. Uh-huh. And she was like, my sister was mad at her boyfriend. So they were having sex, and in the middle of it, she just got up and left. And, <laughs> and she goes, that is the most painful thing you can do to a guy. He's in so much pain, which is not. Oh, I don't the think whole blue balls <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, but she made it sound like it was like, he was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> That was obviously traumatizing to me. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, honestly, thinking about sex was traumatizing to me until <laughs> I mean, I didn't lose my virginity till college. Yeah, before that, I was not uh, certainly not ready. But like, so, so then, did you see? Did, were you like aware of your peers around you, like hitting these milestones of growing up that you, for you know, for reasons of like your home life, like you couldn't do that, or like. Yeah. And I, I was like so into the church and everything. Oh, so you were pro- like you were happy about it. You were. I mean, invested. you can't not be. It's it's like from the time I was born, I was going there. That's like brainwashing, basically. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not gonna kiss anyone until I'm married, and I felt very strongly about that. Mm-hmm. And like honestly, I think I thought everyone else was going to hell except for like me and my family. Oh, so you were really in that in that mindset. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they were like, maybe some other people are going to go to heaven, but probably not. Is what they <laughs> did at the church. Do you did you ever uh have that conversation with your um public school friends? Like did you ever tell them about mm-mm, that? Mm-mm. No, very private. Yeah, I think I had some inkling that that would not be. I mean, I think I did proselytize a little bit like yeah. cuz that's the whole thing like you're supposed to bring people to Jesus. I think I tried oh, a couple times. So it is times. pretty evangelical. It is, but at the same time, no one new comes to the church. It's all these, like, families from your grandparents' grandparents. Like, you, you go to a church and they'll be like, I know you because my great-grandfather was a brother to your um, uncle oh. who's a Hubner. And then they married the Steffens. And you're like, oh, God, that's like, oh, so annoying. Wow. Yeah, it's like kind of not a lot of um, – not a big gene pool. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, then you, I mean, you turned out I pretty know. damn good. <laughs> Thank God I don't have an extra arm out of my 
<laughs> my mom, she went to dinner with these people from church and she came back and she was like, you know, this whole time I thought they were first cousins who got married and I thought that was weird. And she's like, but they're not. And I was like, oh, that's good because they have two daughters that are like not. Yeah. And she's like, they're second cousins. Oh, no, not much better, mom. And she's not like, that much so better. happy. I was like, that's awful. So, okay. So then uh, the question must be asked, like, did you – now you live in L.A. Yeah. And you are pursuing this lifestyle, which yeah. is not – I mean, I assume you're not still practicing? No, 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 no. Are, are you uh, – on what kind of terms with your family? Oh, I'm actually on good terms with my family. People are, like, pretty surprised about that. But it's like – that's a for your parents to disown you, like – it's hardcore, but I have had people on the show before who are totally out of t- contact with Yeah, their and I believe it, but, like, what a hard decision, like, your child or your faith. Like, that's – Oh, I, I – I'm glad – I'm, like, obviously you would choose your child, but I know people don't always. Right. But thankfully the church doesn't teach that you, like, shouldn't be in contact that you should cut people off. They right. don't teach it's that. It's not like because Jehovah's Witnesses specifically, it's like you don't speak to people. Who I are, know, yeah. yeah. And also, I know like Amish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can feel, but um, yeah, like, and I think they still secretly are hoping I'm going to change my mind. So mm. they got to keep yeah. one foot in there to make sure when you go home. <laughs> is still in Arizona? Your family still in my Arizona? parents moved to Austin. Actually, is Austin a big Mennonite town? No, I, all these churches are small, oh, super tiny. Yeah. yeah, and when you go to when you go to see your parents, uh, do you go to church with them? Yeah, yeah. And what happens? My dad's a minister. He'll just oh, wow. preach about going to hell, <laughs> and then my mom will be crying next to me, and then I'm crying oh, because no. it's just a terrible experience. I don't think I'm going to go anymore. <laughs> I'm like I can't <laughs> cry in church anymore. This is teach me about being a good person. I don't yeah, want to hear of it. anyway. And your siblings, are they still entrenched in it or did they also no, leave? They all yeah, they left too. Wow. Yeah. So uh when you had like so when you were younger and you're in you're in this public school, you went to public school all along or Yes. Was, yes. Yes. So was there a point at which you started developing like feelings, you know, or uh Things that were, like, not okay for you to deal with and, 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 like, internally, how did you deal with it? Like, if you started having, like, crushes on people or if you mm-hmm. started, um, like, seeing um, – like, if you accidentally heard, a, a, like, a song from the radio or if you saw, like, a fashion thing that, mm-hmm. you, that you wanted to be involved in, mm-hmm. were you just really good at, like, shutting that down or did you entertain those thoughts in your I head? think – like, I know, like, other people are different, but I had such high guilt yeah, built into me that, yeah. oh, that the guilt outweighed any kind of pleasure that I would get out mm-hmm. of, like, oh, uh, like, because I had my first kiss in college, the mm-hmm. end of freshman year, first kiss. Mm-hmm. And I cried after in front of him. And I said, I thought my first kiss was going to be with my husband. Oh, wow. And what did he say? He was freaked out. (laughs) Because it was the first kiss. Yeah, of course. That's embarrassing. Uh, We're still friends, thank goodness. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, but that relationship didn't go anywhere. (laughs) I mean, most first kiss relationships don't. Yeah, that's a a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. But the funny thing is, like, so 
my church is evangelical, that which means, or like you get baptized when you're older. So it's like your so choice. So you know the moment. You choose yes, the moment. you choose the moment. And once you get baptized, that's when the rules get strict. So um. I wanted to wait till after prom to get baptized. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just hoping. Gaming I, the system. Yeah, gaming the system. I was just hoping I didn't die before prom because <laughs> then I would have gone to hell. I was like, just got to stay alive till after prom. <laughs> So at prom, okay, so you went to, you were allowed to go to prom. I was allowed to go to prom. What did you wear to prom? Um I I actually my parents let me wear a spaghetti strap dress. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And did you dance with anybody? Yeah, and I and I danced, which yeah, so I was trying to get it all out, you know, before yeah. like your rum springa yeah. in Amish. And I felt the guy's boner, and I was disgusted <laughs> by it because he was pressed up against me when yeah. we were dancing. I was like, ugh. And he came, he kissed me on the forehead. Oh <laughs> Give my me gosh. a forehead kiss when you drop me off. But I mean, they knew what they were getting into. They knew I was like straight laced. So yeah, but I'm sure you know they for had some guys they were like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crack this yeah. nut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so you live, you live through prom. Good. Yeah. Thank, thank God. <laughs> So tell me, what is this? Uh, what is this artifact that you brought to share with us? Oh, um, I brought. Oh wow! I can't wait to. It's a really take uh, a picture of this. Yeah, it's a really amazing. Uh, what are these called? Collage. Collage. I made in middle school. That's just super embarrassing. Tell me what. Uh, or describe for the people what is on this collage. <laughs> uh, there's a baby G watch. I don't know if you guys remember those. I do. Yeah. Uh, I never actually owned one. Just really wanted one. <laughs> and uh, there's a good grades. I just cut that out of a magazine. That was really cool. <laughs> uh, there's also some Doc Martens that I also didn't own. I just. <laughs> This is more of an aspirational collage. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a uh, vision board. Yeah, it is, and uh, got some piano music, classical piano music on there because that's what I like to play. Swimming because I was a swimmer. It says teen, and it says star, and there's a cutout of a computer because I guess I was uh, real ahead of the curve on that. <laughs> I mean, technology. Yeah, I was afraid of technology when I was. <laughs> I feel like maybe we're the same. Well, you don't have to reveal your age on the show. If we're probably, but we're probably maybe the yeah. Same. I feel like we are. <laughs> um, and Oregon Trail, though, yeah, Oregon Trail, that was fun. Yeah, so you you were allowed to do things like that. Yeah, like in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and my parents were like really uh, educated. Mm-hmm. Like they both have graduate degrees. Both were valedictorian, so it's like a what? weird combo for them because they. That's always the most interesting right? to me. And like my my ex boyfriend was like that. He's this actually the smartest person I've ever met. Yeah. I mean, he is in legit Mensa. The only person really? I've ever known who's in Mensa. Yeah. He took the test. He's in it, whatever. He worked for Google for a while. Uh, maybe still does. I don't know. But um, he is super Catholic. Like, oh. And, but he came to it later in life. Interesting. Like, we started dating when, when, when we were like 22. Mm-hmm. And over the four years that we dated, he he went from being agnostic to being super practicing daily. I've literally Catholic. never heard of that happening. It's crazy. I mean, he's like super like high intellectual, and like it was. Uh, he had done all of the studying and all the research, and he came to the conclusion that that was the closest thing to truth <laughs> for him. And I was like, "What? I don't like when they get to have you know that 
where they're like, and the correct religion is Catholicism. <laughs> I mean, I it, it's surprising. Well, same with your parents. Like, it surprises me. You know, they're super, super educated, and this is still the conclusion they come to as like the the best. Way I don't to live. think it's a conclusion. I think it's the same as I was talking about earlier. Like the amount of guilt and family. So they were and born lineage. into it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like all of that. It's like you're gonna turn your back on generations of people before you. Like that's a big. I think that's what it's it is. It's a big weight on your shoulders. And it's like if you say that this isn't true, it's it's going to like bring down so many pillars of your life. Yeah. So, and you'd have to start from scratch. Yeah. And, and you're not invited to certain things. And I mean, I get it, but I don't know if they think about it too much in depth. Yeah. Because if you think about it, then you actually have to confront it. Yeah. If I, you see, you can't unsee. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, what is on the back of this thing? Are oh. you, is it something that you are you are planning to read? Because I'm going to make you read it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I can. It's kind of long, so you can cut me off. No, whenever. it's going to be great. But I think this was like a school project, so it's a typical morning in the mind of Rochelle. All right. My day started at 6.15 a.m. when my mom rudely awakened me from my dreams. Time to get up, she said. I groaned and turned over. It was the only the second week of school, and getting up is one of the things I hate to do most. Half asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I made my bed. I climbed down my ladder, being careful not to wake up my little sister, who slept on the bottom bunk. I have two other younger siblings who slept in the other rooms, too. They're your typical whining, bratty, good-for-nothing, nasty little kids. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> They can bother me sometimes, but they're actually pretty cool. After taking my shower and doing my usual blow dry, I began to get dressed. It took me 15 minutes just to pick out something to wear. Clothes, in my opinion, are lots of fun to shop for and wear, but can also be very (laughs) nerve-wracking. Um, I'm glad you did well on your math test yesterday, Dad told me. I feel proud when I ace tests and when I can finish a project that's really cool. That way, when I get our report cards, I can make fun of my friends. Just kidding again. Honestly, I was, how did, this is why I didn't have friends. I was so annoying. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, this sounds like you were, you were, uh, emulating, like, a style of writing, like, straight out of, like, young adult right? stuff. I, yeah, yeah or, totally. Or, like, teen magazine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> When I was finally all set to go, I headed out. My mom walked halfway to the bus with me. I'm usually all by myself, so it was nice. Don't forget, there's a meeting after school today, I reminded her. I was running for a student council office. (laughs) While waiting for the bus, which was late again, I asked my friend if she was trying out for the school play. I had decided that I would. Performing on stage is what I love most. Even though you can't get nervous before, it's so cool to have everybody watch and clap for you. Oh, God. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's still true. (laughs) I'm glad our school has so many neat things like the play for us to do. (laughs) Eventually, the bus game beginning my long but fun day of school. (laughs) Oh, God. I hate myself. No, no. You were just like the the poster child for like... Seriously. A happy kid who's just like dealing with all the annoying stuff. I mean, it's a... Did you read... My teachers loved uh, me. Well, of course. I mean, descendant of two valedictorians. Were you, you were a super good student, yeah? Yeah, it was not an option. Like, uh, once I remember my both my parents came in my room once when I got a B. I was in my bunk bed, and they both talked what? to me. Yeah, I remember it very vividly. What did they say? They were just like, you know, like, this, we can't be doing this. A B? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, so the high expectations. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my parents didn't, I feel like they didn't put that on me. They were both very 
overeducated intellectual people too. And I was a super good student too, but it was only my own OCD, like making oh, really? me do it. So that's better. There, like I was, I, I was valedictorian of my high school because I was like, I felt compelled to do everything absolutely to perfect. Wow. And this is why I was like super unhealthy. But uh, there was one day in seventh grade, I had a math quiz and I got like a 67 on it. Yeah. Math was not my strong suit, but I had never in my life gotten a grade below like an A minus. And I got a 67 and I was devastated. And my dad laughed at me and he's like, well, looks like you're going to community college. And he was joking. And I like was furious at him. That's funny. And there is nothing wrong with community college, no. please. But I was such a fucking right. psycho. Yeah. Is that hard for you now? Like not getting grades and like stuff like that? It's been, yeah, it's been very hard. In fact, especially this past year. So like I moved to LA a year ago oh, from New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and in New York, like I was just like, you know, moving along my path, like doing what I felt like I needed to do. Yeah. Like there was no, there was no veering off the story that I had written for myself when I was yeah. a little kid until I moved out here oh. and started from scratch. And it's been the hardest year of my life for oh, sure. Yeah. And uh, especially because like I haven't really been in any classes. Like I haven't had oh. like a structure of any kind. I haven't had like like in New York, I set my schedule up so that I was never alone with myself. I always had <laughs> something to report to. I had a million yes. jobs. I had a million auditions. I did, you know. Yeah. And then out here, it was just like, you know, fucking yeah. nothing. But um, it's been – and this is not – this interview is not about me. Uh, but I have been thinking about this a lot in the past week. Uh, but I think because we're similar, yeah. I, I go through the same things. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's a very – time is weird in Los Angeles and structure is weird and not a lot of people have – Monday through Friday, nine to five jobs. It's right. just like a, a freelance city. Yeah. And, uh, and so you have to make your own structure. But like I – so, you know, I developed this show from this like super overachieving little girl who wrote like this. Like, yes. F- for so for so long and like had these big plans. And it was literally just this past week um, I had this uh, – I mean, while I've been here, I've been feeling, you know, really hard on myself and like I'm not doing anything yeah. and I'm not living up to the expectations and like like I was in competition with my 13-year-old self who mm-hmm. like was such an overachiever oh, and was yeah. so perfect and it was like she had set up this expectation yeah. for me and as a 35-year-old woman, like yeah. I have not met it because nobody does. Right. And you also feel like you're letting her down because she worked exactly. so hard for what? Exactly. And so, uh, and like I've been processing that, you know, mm-hmm. for a long time, mm-hmm. but it was literally this past week I was driving home from work. I were, I'm a server, which of course 13-year-old Lissa is like, right. ugh, food service, you know, but I've right. been a server for like six or seven years mm-hmm. and because it's what's right for me right now. And I was driving home from work. Uh, it's late. Like there are no cars out. And I was listening to probably like Jack or like K-Earth 101. They play classic rock shit. And... You know that song, uh, Always Something There to Remind Me? Mm-hmm. So it comes on, and, like, that was one of my favorite songs when I was, like, 13 because mm-hmm. I was obsessed with 80s music. And it came on, and I suddenly started, like, remembering – I was, like – I don't know, like my 35-year-old self like connected in real time with my 13-year-old self while I was driving and I just started like bawling Aww. my eyes out because I was like, oh my God, like I I had to uh, – like I had to – forgive myself like I because I realized that I was a grown-up being mad at my younger self like I was mad at another person mm-hmm. for 
setting me up for this failure. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I just got so emotional and it was like it came from a really deep place and I haven't cried like that in a really long time mm-hmm. and I realized after the fact that I was finally you know forgiving my younger self for for having those insanely high expectations so oh. uh super relevant and recent and I haven't talked about that at all yet. yeah so thank you yeah that's crazy yeah I don't know how you feel about, like, because it's still, guilt is still, Mm -hmm. like, a major factor in my life. I don't know if it is in yours or, like, you had something that you were trying to live up to that you haven't gotten to yet or if you're cooler about it. Well, you know, my dad's an engineer and my mom's a neonatal nurse practitioner, and I just felt like they sacrificed so much to make sure I had a great education and all these extracurriculars. And they don't, obviously, they don't want me doing this career. Are they vocal about that with you? Yeah, my mom thinks she's supportive. I'm like, you are not. Oh. <laughs> but like, I I almost went to law school because of that. Yeah, and I got into like a good law school. I just I couldn't sign the loan papers. I didn't. I could like I phys- I didn't sleep for a week. Yeah, I was like, I can't. This do is this. not right. Not yeah, right. this is not right. But then you know, I don't. Yeah, so you do feel like you're letting them down and your younger self. I I hadn't thought about that, but that's so true because I'm like oh, think of all those, like, weekends you spent studying instead of, like, doing something fun. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, was I doing that for nothing? But I don't, I don't know. I just yeah. – I'm in a different place now where I'm, like, interested in the journey. Sure. You know, the more storytelling I get, I'm like, oh, the journey's so interesting. Sure, and, it is. Yeah. And it's actually, like, every every – I mean, it's very therapeutic, like, to talk about this, feel like, feelings of failure and mm-hmm. contextualize them in, like, a larger story, which mm-hmm. is why storytelling is so amazing, you know, and important to me, too. Uh, uh, it is about the journey. It for yeah. sure is. And, and which is something that my dad has always said to me. But it's really? like, that's what he says. But then he's also, like, a super overachieving OCD person <laughs> who, like, put himself through Harvard Law School wow. so that I could do whatever I wanted. Right. And I... And here I am, you know, at 35 without like a, Mm -hmm. a, you know, I'm still serving tables, which is fine. But it's like I also – there is a part of me that feels like it's racing the clock to (laughs) to achieve something material that I can show my parents that they can be proud of. Right. Because I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of. Right. In the comedy world, like you can be proud of, but they don't understand. Yeah. You know. Also, like – just the idea of being in LA till my entire family is like LA is like a hotbed of sin. Seriously, this is this must be yeah. Like everyone's thought, going to hell. They thought movie stars just like slept around. You yeah. know, what I, which maybe I don't know, but like they think, oh, they're like, you know, the fact that Robin Williams killed himself. My aunt was like, he just did that because he realized that like success in Hollywood isn't fulfilling. I'm like, I think he had mental problems and he had a disease anyway they simplify things like that right oh my cousin sent me pamphlets in the mail for there's how recently a couple years ago Mm -hmm. for there's a theme park in florida that's like the bible what as a theme park and she's like maybe you could act in that theme park and you could play like mary and they have a show Oh, no. And you're like, thanks, but no thanks. It's like when, you know, my parents are like, well, eventually, like, it's cool if you decide, you know, maybe you should go back to writing. Like, I'm sure you could make money writing, and then you could do community theater. And I'm like, 
<laughs> I'm not doing community theater. I'm not doing a skit. Community theater. Wow, that's a that's shade right there. I mean, it is a little shade, but I, they they just want they just want our parents just want what is best for us, and mm-hmm. they want to see us uh, succeed by their standards of success. I just feel bad. Like they really did sacrifice so much. I that it, I feel bad. I'm like I couldn't. Yeah, but you sacrifice so much too. Yeah, you know, and you get to choose. Like ultimately, you get to. You are a, a separate, independent right. entity. Right. They get to choose your. And that was their decision to do that. So I, right. I didn't have a say. <laughs> I could have been like maybe do some of your own hobbies instead of driving me everywhere. But anyway, they they wanted you to be happy, right? Yeah. And they mm-hmm. want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Deep stuff. I mean, seriously. I mean, seriously. So in in your storytelling, do you um, – I've only seen you perform yeah. a couple of times. Mm-hmm. One time was about your childhood. Yeah. Do you talk a lot about your childhood? In your stories? Yeah. Uh, one of my goals is to do a whole show mm-hmm. with stories about that because, you know, it's so funny because I didn't think it was weird for so long. Yeah. And like I said, I never really told anyone. And then when – just recently I started telling people, people are fascinated by yeah. it. And I, I didn't realize that it was fascinating because that's all I knew. Sure. So it's been – and I said – someone said, you need to do a story about this. This was just a couple years ago. I said, mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't do that. It's too close. Mm-hmm. It's too convoluted. It's too painful. Mm-hmm. But then you just start. You just start. And yeah. it, you know, it's kind of like freeing to start writing about it. Oh, I think it's super freeing because mm-hmm. as soon as it comes either out of your mouth or like onto the page, mm-hmm. you can you can look at it from a distance, uh, from a, like a detached distance and start to kind of like process exactly what was going on. Because if it's inside right. of you, it's too close to – to process it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so against the culture I grew up in. Like, my aunt's like, why would anyone want to listen to stories about you? I wouldn't think anyone would want to listen to stories about me because it's all about humility and, like... Sure, but I don't think that's... I don't think it, that's... Li- like, my my parents are the same way. Really? And, like, when I... And my parents are just, like, you know, typical New York Jews mm-hmm. and, like, I am just like them, mm-hmm. you know? And so when I go home and I'm, like, in amongst them and I I say something uh, or, like, I do a bit or something that, that other people, like, love and think is right. ridiculous, they're like, what? You know, mm-hmm. what? I don't see... what yeah. You know, that's just who we are, yeah. you know? And yeah. they don't... You have to step outside of it mm-hmm. to be able to see, like, how interesting your personal yeah. truth I was. Yeah, everybody is interesting, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it does a little bit feel like a betrayal of, like, the secrets of the church. Of course. Because it is very secretive. Those religions, you know, keep it all – don't tell people what we're really doing. You know what I mean? But why why is like that? Especially if they're – mentality. Yes. Because if... that's how you keep people in. They don't – they feel like outsiders everywhere else, so they have to stay in that church. Mm, but then they're still trying to evangelize people, like proselytize mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to get people into it. Mm-hmm. Huh. But like the Mormon church, think of how many secrets they have that they, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Well, there's also just something to be said for like going from being, you know, a child in whatever mindset, like everyone is brainwashed by their parents. Right. Whatever their parents believe. And then uh, for some kids, like the separation starts at like 14. And Mm -hmm. for some of them, like for me, it wasn't until I was 25 and I was in therapy that I was like, there are ways in which I'm not like my parents. And I, I feel so guilty about that. Yeah. I feel so bad because like... 
they love me so much and they've done everything for me and they, you know, never made me, I never had to worry about where my food was coming from Mm -hmm. or anything. And yet I feel like I'm going in sort of a different direction in my life because I'm a different separate person and I feel guilty even thinking like, oh, I don't agree with them on that. Right. You know? Right. So I'm sure that was like exponentially more coming Mm -hmm. from a a family like yours Mm -hmm. that... That like when I told my parents like, hey, I'm going to pursue this thing because it's going to make me happy. They were like, go do it. Have a great time. And I'm super lucky yeah. because a lot of people, they tell their parents that and their parents are like, fuck no. Yeah. I'm not behind you on that. Right. So, right. but I do think that sense of betrayal is not, I think it's pretty universal. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Unless you just do everything your parents want. I think about that. I'm like, oh, I wonder if I would have been happier if I just did exactly what they had wanted. I mean, for sure. I would have been ha- I would have been, been happier if I had a lobotomy. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it would have been much easier. Do you – are you um, in touch with any of your uh, – or do you know what has become of any of your peers from church? Yeah. There's a mass – there's been a mass exodus. Really? I don't know how the church is going to survive. But I think, you know, with the internet – Instagram has opened everybody's brain. Up. You think it's Instagram? I think Instagram is a wow, huge bold thing. praise for Insta. Because I follow a lot of like conspiracy theorists and like spiritual, <laughs> like higher consciousness things on Instagram. Yeah. And people they have like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of followers yeah. spreading messages of like, hey, the system you're in is just a system, oh. you know? And I think that people who otherwise never would have clocked mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. seeing it. But anyway, yeah. continue. Well, the whole thing about the church, like my dad told me, you you don't really need to read any other book but the Bible. Oof. And kind of like warning me against ever, you know, looking at any other religion or even just like learning too much. Yeah. In a way. But, I mean, the internet, you can talk to people from all over. You can learn anything you want to learn. Yeah, and then these people from my religion, they grew up on farms. They didn't go anywhere. They stayed in their same city. So, of course, they're going to stay in the same religion. Me, you know, I have the opportunity to travel to all different countries and see how they live. And they're not the same religion as me, but they're still loving. And there is, like, a God, whatever God is. I see that in them. And it's like, you can't stay in that small town, small mindedness with the way the world is right now. I mean, some in the Midwest, it's easier, but all the people I grew up with, they're all, they've all changed. Wow. And whether it's like a less strict Christian church or just like um, gone completely, there's very few that have stayed. A couple, you know, and now they have like five kids and yeah, big houses. I'm like, well, that looks kind of nice. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they made the right decision. I mean, yeah. I mean, sometimes I, I – watch sister wives and i'm like it's like they have their own little right? like, commune and they all take care of each other yeah there is something to be said for community but listen i'm i'm, I'm still I, I preach having a commune but the apartment <laughs> i live in right now with veronica and um and my boyfriend phil and our friend maria and our friend jake who's about to live there too it's basically like a commune, right yeah but it's cool it's a modern commune and we watch bob's burgers so. <laughs> yeah um, yeah the, you you lose community there's a balance, you know, the less culty you get, the less, like, people are li- – people literally do anything for you in that church. It's so nice. Wow. But also you can't do the things you want to do. Yeah. There's, like, a whole outside world. I mean, this is why – you know, this is why, like – um marijuana and you know lsd and psilocybin mushrooms have been illegal for so long because they allow your brain to open up and Ooh. think in different ways 
That's a conspiracy theory right there. No, it's legit. Okay, I have done my research on this. And and, and I, seriously, having smoked weed myself, like which I didn't start until I was 29 years old smoking mm-hmm. weed, and I've done mushrooms a couple of times, and it really uh, – it's not like being drunk. It like it actually changes the pathways in your brain so you think in a different way. And you're like, oh, what if you, – you can zoom out in this way. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, knowledge does the same thing. And the reason why religions have, have worked over all yeah. of these years is because people can, like, control what yes, knowledge that people get. That's exactly you know? it. Mm-hmm. And that now knowledge, at least for this brief time before the inter- internet gets cracked down on. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Knowledge is everywhere. It really is. It's. A, I think about the internet all the time. <laughs> I know that sounds dumb, but I'm like, this is crazy. It's cool that it's cool that it's happened in our lifetime. I know you we know? knew it before. Exactly. And that, we're like we straddle we're, the analog and the digital. We straddle it. <laughs> we're like the cavemen before fire was invented and after. Like, think of how much their lives. Exactly. Like, I so feel like people should us. worship us as their gods because <laughs> we have all, all the knowledge. <laughs> we're the straddlers. <laughs> Um, well, but, oh, real quick. This was going to be the first thing that I asked you and then I forgot. But what? like your name is Rochelle Meese. Yes. So how often did you deal with being called Michelle Reese? Uh, because I think about that every time. You do? <laughs> My name is, yeah, it should be Mice. If it's pronounced the German way. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that how you... No, we say meese. I think my, like, somewhere down the line, they were like, we don't want to sound like mice. And so Uh. they changed it. I think. I'm not sure. But I'm named after my grandpa, Richard. Uh Uh-huh. And my mom actually, she, like, took me to lunch and she, like, said very seriously, she's like, I'm sorry about your name. (laughs) (laughs) So... So we're all just like, ah, this is it now, I guess. But yeah, Michelle Reese a lot, Rachel, Mice. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, runs a gamut. I love your name and I love the name Rochelle. I think it's so interesting and different. But like when I first met you and, and then found out that you came from this like kind of obscure religion, I was right. like, is Rochelle a religious? <laughs> like, does that come from the Bible? Like, no, I- not at all. <laughs> from Richard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to give you a little present now. Uh, what? Uh, no, I know everyone is so so surprised to hear it. So the uh, the way the show works is that at the end I give each guest um, some uh, item from um, my childhood bedroom because my parents still live in the same house and all of my shit remains totally intact wow. and I have a real hard time getting rid of things. And rather than put it all in a dumpster, I'm just giving it away piece by piece. So wow. here's something that I've had a in true my hoarder. In, in, in a collector. <laughs> That's also in the book. Uh, so I don't remember where this comes from. It's a little bit creepy. Uh, it's probably going to be too small for you to wear. Hold on one sec. Get out of this bag of tricks. I don't remember where it comes from, but I had it in like a whole bag full of like really dumb plastic costume jewelry. It is a tiny ring <gasps> with like this like purple like poodle bear thing oh, on that it is cute. coming out of a flower. This you definitely got in one of those you put money in and it comes out in an yeah, egg. Yeah, probably. Probably came out in an egg. It's too small even for my pinky, oh, it's so, so cute. but it's got a little loop on top so you could put it on a necklace if you want. I could make it an ornament. You could. You could hang it from your uh, rearview mirror. <laughs> Very cute. Thank you. You're so welcome. It does bring me back. Yeah, it's... We must... Yeah. We we came from the same yeah, era, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, do you have anything that you would like to plug at this juncture? Considering this will be out in, uh, like, a week and a half or two weeks. Oh, cool. Well, I have a monthly show at UCB. If you uh, live in the L.A. area, it's in the Inner Sanctum. It's the fourth 
Thursday of every month. It's called Sideline, and it's a stand-up show. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really fun. We have like uh, we kind of make it like a Monday night football theme. So there's commentators on the stage. Oh my gosh, yeah. commenting on the sets, as but they, they do it after. Like, oh okay, all good. right. We like go to the booth, and they're like, "Wow, what an amazing set!" From and then they have oh, jokes. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's- and I do like a sideline interview after. I'm like, I'm like. That, that was an amazing set. Now, what were you thinking before you went into that one joke? And then they talk a little bit about it. Oh, so that's be, so fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I'll be there. Oh, okay. Yeah. We have a great lineup next week. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for, for being game to open up to us. Oh, yeah. Rochelle. <laughs> uh, can people follow you on Twitter or other things? Yes. My handle is at Reeshmees. It's kind of weird. R-E-E-S-H-M-E-E-S-E. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Rochelle Meese, you guys. Thank you Yay. so much for being on the bitch seat. And for those of you in the New York area, we have a live show April 30th, 8.30 p.m. at QED in Astoria um, with a spectacular lineup of uh, Dion Flynn, Selena Kopik, uh, Sharon Paul. We have Reformed Whores as our musical guest. And my <laughs> guest co-host will be the amazingly talented Rebecca Vigil. Uh, I hope she steals the show from me. That would be great. And, um, you know. Treasure what got you here. Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate them. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And this so far it's been going pretty well, right? Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me t- let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. They scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one I, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? Haddonfield's first burlesque <laughs> club. That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The la- Ooh.